back to That's Orgasmic. You are joined by your host, Emily Duncan. And today I'm joined with Jem Campbell. Their pronouns, pronouns are they, them. Jem is a nutritionist, dietitian, menstrual blood witch, and sexologist living in Newcastle, Australia. Jem is on this earth to empower people with p- their periods to feel sexy while they bleed and harness the power and wisdom within their spirit, pussy, and womb. So thank you so much for joining me, Jem. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm so excited too. I'm so excited to talk about periods. Um, and especially from this, this perspective I think you're going to come from, I'm very intrigued because it is, I have nobody in my life around me that, you know, harnesses their period's power at all. Um, so, yeah, can we just start with, like, I guess the prominent issues that you're seeing within society today when it comes to periods? Yeah, totally. There's so many. There is so many. So I'm going to try and keep it kind of the main ones. Um, I guess a lot of women and womb holders, because remembering that it's not just women who have periods, it's also like I'm non-binary and I have a period and there's trans men and trans non-binary people who have periods as well. So there's lots of us walking around unknowingly carrying a lot of shame and just bucket loads of shame, honestly. And this shame is cast upon us from when we're very young you know, from capitalism and the patriarchy. And I think we're so conditioned to go into that kind of hustle grind mentality as we, you know, finish school and then get into uni. It's like hustle, 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 grind, go fast, go hard. And I think um, we forget, or a lot of people actually don't even know this, but we really need to be resting while we're bleeding. So, our period and our luteal phase. So your luteal phase is your premenstrual phase. So the phase just before your period are the most yin phases of your cycle generally. So what I mean by yin is I mean, so you know how you have yin and yang. So yang is the more like fast paced kind of masculine energy. I don't like using those terms like masculine and feminine because they're quite gendered. Um, They have a lot of gender connotations. So I use yin and yang. So yang is the masculine. So it's the structure. It's the go fast, go hard. It's the kind of um, head down, ass up kind of thing where you're like, go, go, go. Um, And then sort of routines and structure. And then the yin or the feminine energy, which is the energy that you really should be harnessing in your period and your luteal phase is more of the slowness and the sensualness and really the... um, the flow kind of energy you know when you're kind of in like that creative flow it's sort of that type of energy so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us don't know that and so we're walking around and even when we're exhausted and we're bleeding because we tend to get quite exhausted when we're bleeding especially the first you know three days and also the end of our luteal phase so sort of you know around day 25 to sort of day 33 depending on how long your cycle is you can get quite exhausted and fatigued very easily. And a lot of people are still forcing themselves to go to the gym and like do heavy, hard workouts, you know, like, like um, what's it called? Like spin classes and like all of that. We shouldn't be doing that type of exercise in that time when our body wants to like go inward and it wants to rest. And so I think that's one of the main issues. But then if we go a little bit sort of deeper than that, um, it's really a time 
to be analyzing the month before. So it's really a time to pause and reflect and kind of rejuvenate and like rest our entire system. And so a lot of us aren't taking that pause. You know, sometimes when you feel like life's going way too fast, it's like, and you can't stop it. Your period is that time when you need to allow yourself to pause and reflect and analyze, you know, what's going on in my interpersonal relationships, in my work life, what can I change? What can I shift to make my life more enjoyable and more pleasurable? So that's another big thing. And I also, this is kind of a very different um, kind of chat, but sort of with, in terms of like developing countries and places where a lot of women and womb holders don't have access to, I guess, basic sanitary products and period like tampons and pads and they're literally bleeding into rags and not able to bathe and they don't have running water and I think that is also another huge issue when it comes to periods if we're talking about globally not just in the western world um and I just can't even imagine what that's like and I think there needs to be a lot more conversation around that and that's something that I really hope to do in my career when I have when I'm you know have the finances to do that and the capacity to do that I really do want to um I don't know somehow help that in some way because that's not okay having period products is a basic human right and we also I I personally think that we shouldn't be paying for them and I'm sure you probably agree with this like they should be free Mm -hmm. we can't help that we have blood coming out of our bodies every month we don't control that I mean yeah you can take hormonal contraceptives or you know medications that stop that but that also alters other parts of our lives and we don't want to be suppressing our bleed unless we really have to and that medication is actually helping a serious medical condition such as like endo or PCOS or something like that but that's another kind of I think issue is that a lot of a lot of people don't know about or are educated about natural contraception so that's basically not contraception without condoms, you know, you're not using um, hormonal hormonal contraceptives or the copper IUD. So they're sort of the main ones that we think of. So you're actually just tracking your fertility signs. So that's like your basal body temperature, um, your cervical mucus, the height of your cervix, all those sorts of things, your libido. And we should be educated about that in schools and we're not. So We all end up going on hormonal contraceptives, even just to get rid of acne or um, to, I don't know, like literally stop our period because it's too painful. But then they're like band-aiding or bearing the actual issue, which could have been like endo or something like that. And they're just like, band-aid it. Like, let's not think about it. Let's just, yeah. And then that problem isn't going to go away. And then when that person wants to come off it and get pregnant or come off it for some other reason, then all those like, all those issues come back like tenfold and it just like suppresses stuff yeah yeah Yeah. and it's it's fucked and it's even fucked the like doctors like I've had friends that have been like oh I think I want to go off like hormonal contraception and they're like why would you do that like they they that's the last thing they want us to do they want us all on it and like I apart from having this podcast and studying sexology like I've never learned about like natural fertility methods and I think there's just like we as like humans 
had got by previously and we were probably so in tune with our bodies, knew when, you know, we were going to get our periods, knew when we were ovulating, we are probably like so in tune and now I feel like we're so just out of touch with our bodies and things and literally just putting band-aids on everything that it's just, yeah, there's just so many issues and unfortunately so many people aren't even aware of these things and not even aware of them like being an issue. Um, I also really liked when you were discussing about like needing to slow down because our society is not built for people with periods like it's just it isn't fuck no like we I know myself like honestly like feeling like I had my period last week and like still like oh I need to go to the gym and it's like well no you actually can rest but just that guilt Mm. because it's so much guilt and shame like I still need to function and do everything as if I don't have my period when actually like no you you do need to rest totally and if you don't work for yourself like I'm assuming you mostly work for yourself Mm. and so do I and so we can sort of um we have I guess the luxury of potentially taking a couple of days off or slowing down or not doing as much work or like gentler work like on the first couple of days of our bleed whereas people who work nine to five jobs like in corporate or they have a boss and they have to be at work and they can't just call in sick for an entire week when they're bleeding or the end of their luteal phase. So what do they, like, they don't have a choice but to go to work, you know? Capitalism doesn't hold space for us. No, it doesn't and it Mm. fucking sucks and I would love to see, like, a society where it creates that flexibility, has that leave, just makes it more accessible for people and just allows us just to live our lives better (laughs) and yeah more enjoyably so I'd love to talk about like the power that our periods hold because I feel like for anybody listening that has shame around their periods doesn't like having their period everything they'd probably have no idea about the power that their period could hold yeah totally um oh my god there's so much here so I think the first piece is that like like we just spoke about with the resting, our bleed provides us with a time for deep healing and transformation. And I think really harnessing that and acknowledging that and actually doing that is like one of the first things that we can do to, I guess, harness that power of our period and our bleed. Um, it's an incredible opportunity to rethink our entire lives and the structure of our entire lives because we're not meant to keep going and going and going we're meant to pause and reflect and go and pause and reflect and go we're cyclical beings right even people who don't have wombs are still cyclical beings and you know I live with PME which is premenstrual exacerbation so I have a lot of yeah my period and my luteal phase are pretty challenging times for me but I still love my womb and I still love it so unconditionally because I have a really deep connection with it and a really intimate relationship with it. And I think that is key here to harness the power of your period. You need to have a deep connection with your womb and with your menstrual blood. And then with that, you can do blood rituals and beautiful things to enhance your life and to make your period more pleasurable so when I started doing sort of you know blood rituals and I really started to do this deep womb work 
I guess you could call it. Um, it changed my life and it is my purpose and I believe it's my calling and I truly believe that I've reincarnated into this body to bring these controversial and widely unpopular beliefs because it's easy to forget that that other humans don't think this way. And so I love that I can bring this to the world and I guess bringing to the world that periods can be beautiful and they can be magical and I'm not talking about magic like you know doing like magic tricks and and sort of things like that and talking about like actually tuning in with yourself and your higher self if you're a spiritual person and you believe you know you have a soul and and you know you believe in God and the universe communicating with you and all of those things then it's a beautiful way to connect with god and with spirit or with your gods or with whoever you or whatever you believe in yeah during our our bleed when we're in that deep state of rest and we're actually slowing down and we're quietening our minds and we're dropping into our body so we're being mindful and present in our body then our higher self will come through our soul can communicate with us and our intuition is at its peak during our period. So if you are resting and you really quieten your mind and you listen to your womb and your body and your higher self, like messages will start to come through and you'll get really profound messages and you're like, ah, like, you know, that's what I meant to do with this, this dilemma I'm having or this conflict or this situation. So I think, yeah, it really provides a deep understanding of self and of your, I guess, your true purpose or your soul purpose. And it can really guide you in the right direction or down the path that you're meant to go in a more easeful kind of way, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And because I've never had anybody around me tell me that I can tap into my period like that and to slow down and to I'm guessing do you meditate is that how you get those messages and tune into your body or what do you do to get more in tune um and yeah. tap into that power yeah I I do struggle with it I'm not gonna lie I've gone through periods in my life where I've been incredibly calm and been able to tap in quite easily but that's because I haven't had a lot of stresses but having I guess unmedicated ADHD and other things going on it's really difficult to quieten my mind so I have to try 10 times harder than the average human (laughs) but um, I do I practice a lot of yin yoga so that's like the type of yoga where you're getting into the fascia and you're breathing really deeply and it's really restorative and it's it's a, it's a really good way to drop into your body because you're doing those deep um, diaphragmatic belly breaths. They're really relaxing for your body. Um, so yin yoga, um, even just like a nice warm bath with like some essential oils and some Epsom salts to really drop into your body if you're feeling, even if you've got cramps and things like that, it's a great thing to do, but to really yeah get more present in your body and I think also just sit literally sitting still and just taking some really deep um some deep breaths I kind of that's something that I do throughout the day because I like to go 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 um a lot (laughs) trying to slow myself down all the time um throughout the day like I'll be waiting for the kettle to boil or I'll just have a moment and I'll be like (sighs) like I'll just let out a big exhale and I'll do that several times throughout the day so even if you're a really busy person you can still do that 
Um, that's a really big way. And I, I do meditate sometimes. Um, I'm trying to get into more of a habit of it, but meditation is definitely a great way to do that. Um, I go to acupuncture every week. So that's a time where I'm really still. So if you've got like massages or any kind of appointment like that, where you can really just lay there and receive, that's a really great way to, um, to quieten your mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been starting like the past week to have more moments of breath with a sigh because Mm. often like I just try and like tap into my breathing, but just adding that like sigh is just like an energy release. Like it feels like it's so good. It's so relieving. Another thing I'll add actually that I've started doing every morning again, I had a really good habit of it last year, but it's doing Kundalini yoga. So you can just find videos. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Um, so you do Kundalini Kriyas. So I'm not sure exactly what Kriya means. I think it's just like, kind of like a yoga, like Asana, kind of the equivalent to that. So don't quote me on that, but, um, I've just been doing it every morning and it's basically doing movements with breath. So it's kind of breath where you're like, like in and out the nose really quite, um, aggressively, I guess a little bit violently. Um, and it's kind of something to do it's really good to do in the morning to like wake up your body. And that's a really great way. I think morning routines as well are like super important um, during your bleed to kind of like drop into your body and get out of the head and a big, even just like a brain dump, like into your journal, like everything that's on your mind, just scribble it out onto your journal is another really easy way to get into that meditative state where messages can come through easily yeah yeah absolutely now having this conversation looking back on my period last week I was doing more meditation and journaling and I was just feeling so like I was on track with my purpose and everything and everything felt like it was really coming into place and now that my period's ended I'm feeling a bit more like I guess because I'm acting on the things that were coming to me so now it's a bit like high energy anxiety of like actually doing those things yeah I didn't even like it hadn't even occurred to me that maybe being on my period doing those practices slowing down and like really tapping into my body like I was doing like 30 minute meditations where I had never done breast massage before doing like breast Mm. massage and holding my hand over my heart and over my vulva and feeling Mm. the energy between them I had never Mm -hmm. done it before and it was like it was so nice and I was feeling quite high on life to be honest like yeah. I never really felt like it and yeah. then my period stopped and I've just felt it's almost like a come down like I'm just like I'm still yeah, trying to wow. do these things but yeah it just feels like I'm I guess crashing a bit more but I feel like it's also because I had all these ideas and things and now I'm acting on them and it's exhausting mm-hmm. doing all these things um but yeah I wouldn't I if I didn't have this conversation with you I just would have been like oh it's just just happened to be a good week <laughs> Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm really happy that we've had this conversation at this time in your cycle because now you're like putting the pieces together and like this is proof that like this stuff works, like tuning into your cycle and tracking your cycle really intimately. I've actually just released a period self-care guide that goes really deep into that, into period self-care and tracking your cycle and the benefits of that. So That's amazing. Yeah. People need resources like that because like – obviously when you get on the internet there's so many different things and just like having everything in one place that you can understand and be able to start practicing that like that's awesome yeah uh so if somebody is like feeling shame around their period I've definitely been one of those people um I have had a love 
not even a love-hate, just hate relationship most of, throughout my life with my period. It's something I've dreaded. If on the pill, we'll try and skip every single one that I possibly can. Like, I've yep. had such a bad relationship with it. Do you have any, like, first steps or tips to, like, trying to heal that relationship? Yeah, totally. Oh, there's so much. I think um, it really comes down to looking at your lineage, actually, which is probably not what you expected me to say, but looking at your um, your bloodline and your ancestors, and some of us don't know that much. But, for example, um, I have some brown friends who – uh, of Indian heritage and they have had you know in, in their culture um, they practice um, restrictive practices or practices where um, basically people who bleed have to do certain things during their bleed which ultimately like oppress them or don't acknowledge the power of the period but rather um, demonize it so actually in Nepal, there's a practice, I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm not going to say it, um, that is actually criminalized. It was criminalized in 2018, but people still practice it um, because it's so heavily ingrained in the culture there. And women who and womb holders are sent to what's called a menstruation hut when they bleed and they're not allowed to uh, touch men or boys than allowed to touch certain foods because it's believed that they will spoil these foods um, some of them die in these huts because I guess you know they're not allowed to bathe they're probably not really given much food they're probably just neglected um, and I'm not speaking about this from personal experience obviously but I've done a lot of research into this for blood magic my online course and it's horrific and so some people unknowingly have this stuff in their um, bloodline they've had ancestors who have gone through and and practiced these restrictive practices and been forced by their society to go to these menstruation huts and believe that their periods are dirty and impure and disgusting and possessed by the devil and it's really really sad and I think understanding that is really important um because a lot of shame comes with that obviously you literally yeah, think you're bleeding imagine. out the devil <laughs> or you think this stuff that's coming out of your womb which is kind of so ironic that they believe that because the womb is the giver of life you know and it's just it's it's so bizarre to me but it's just so deeply ingrained in these cultures and so understanding your your culture is really important and really looking at that and I have a whole module on that in blood magic because I really saw the the necessity for us to look at that because so many of us don't think about it even I haven't really thought about it until I mm. actually started writing my course and I was like oh fuck like I haven't even spoken to my own family about our heritage and this stuff. Well, yeah, I never have either. And I was just sitting there thinking that I'm like, I don't even know what my mom's relationship was like with their period or my Omar's or like my dad's side with my Nana. Like I have no idea. And like what that's, yeah, what that's been like. Yeah, that's so common. And I mean, I've done, you know, four or five years of this work and I am still looking at that stuff with my family and having these conversations because I'm starting to see how important that is 
Um, and that was quite a, an intense way to start this conversation to answer this question. But another thing I, we've already spoken about this, but is just listening to your body and tracking your cycle as well is probably the first place to start, you know, and then you can kind of go deeper and look at kind of your ancestry and, and your lineage and chat to your, your family members and things like that. Um, and then we need to kind of deconstruct the whole paradigm that periods are painful they should be painful and that we're moody and we're too emotional and we're too hormonal at this time um so we really need to decondition all of that and it's kind of like a lot of rewiring of the old noggin essentially right Mm -hmm. and a lot of um reframing negative belief systems that we have around periods so I call them period belief systems and some of these they happen at a subconscious level. So we're not even really aware of them. So you really have to tune in to listen to what, what these are. Um, And so when you're bleeding, really try and pay attention to the beliefs that pop up, even little things like, um, I don't know, maybe you feel your period leaking when you're at work and you're like, Oh, for fuck's sake. Now I have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, you know, I've got a meeting in like five minutes or like kind of just those little things, those little things where you're like, oh, that's so annoying. Like my period's so annoying. My period's such an inconvenience. Like we need to look at these things. We need to reframe them because they might seem really small, but they're not because the underlying stuff is bigger and the underlying stuff is is serious stuff that we need to look at. And I think an, another really good way to move through this stuff because it is sometimes at the subconscious level is EFT tapping. So mm-hmm. I've been doing tapping for a long time and um, I do tapping in blood ma- in blood magic as well. And you can tap through these negative beliefs and, and accept them and feel them in your body. And then you can rewire and, and change them into more helpful belief systems. Um, even just what you were saying before, another really great way to to start um, peeling back these layers of shame, if you like, is to sit like how you were holding your vulva and even your womb space and then one hand over your heart or even one hand on your vulva and one hand on your womb and just breathing and just feeling and just being Mm -hmm. with it and holding it and just saying, I love you. You're beautiful. It's okay. You know, kind of like how you would if um, you're struggling a bit with body image or something like that. And, you know, you're looking in the mirror and you're looking at your body and yourself and you're telling yourself you love yourself. It's all about self-love. Like womb healing is about self-love at its core. Um, And, yeah, some of us obviously feel dysphoric around our womb and things, and that's a whole other story. Like a lot of trans folks can feel dysphoria and things like that as well, which is something that I want to acknowledge. Not everyone is going to feel be able to feel pleasant or comfortable with their womb, if that makes sense. Um, And so another, this is like, there's so many ways, but another really simple way is to just start to like touch your blood and like play with it. So maybe try using period undies or, or reusable pads or even a menstrual cup, something where you can actually get the blood so you can squeeze the blood out of your period undies in some water and kind of like run your fingers through and put it on your body because blood's actually really good for your skin because it contains stem cells. So, um, and yeah, with a menstrual cup, you can like sort of put it on your body and you can have some period sex with your partner or someone you trust or even masturbating with your period blood as well Um, and just kind of rubbing it over your body or just even self-pleasuring and kind of rubbing it. Um, centrally over your body 
and just looking at it and gazing at your menstrual blood because a lot of us don't do that. And with doing that, we are, again, peeling back those layers of shame because it is really like an onion. Like when we're born, we're like a little, like the little middle of the onion um, to use this analogy. And then, you know, we already have some thin layers on us because we've got our ancestral stuff, our DNA passed down to us. Um, we've been in our, our parents' womb, mother's womb for like nine months. So all the things that that they've gone through in that time. And then as we're born, we're born into different environments and different conditioning and our parents are projecting shit onto us and all this stuff. And then the layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. And then we go to school and we're told, you know, periods aren't really taught about. And so we think it has to be secretive and hidden and that they're gross. And like when we bleed through our school dress, we get really embarrassed and, and, you know, all those feelings, like we've Mm -hmm. all got stories like that. So it's really understanding that we are like an onion when it comes to periods or everything, but speaking specifically to periods and we do need to look at there's many layers of shame, many, many layers. There's there's so many and there's like, even just like the period at school example then, I remember the amount of times we'd be like, check my school dress, like standing up, like terrified. I still do that now with my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was, there was so much in that. And I love that it was so diverse because obviously everybody's going to have their different ways of being able to break down that shame and connect with themselves. <sighs> I'm just trying to think of which part <laughs> I want to come a lot on there. first. There was a lot there. Um, I love the idea of like, say, using something like a menstrual cup, menstrual cup to actually see your blood because that is something... I have tried to start using them. I'm still like just getting used to the like putting it in and adjusting yeah, it and weird, making sure. It? It's, yeah, <laughs> and it's weird. I'm still working on that part. I haven't got that down pat yet. But just like seeing your blood and being like this, it's okay. It's not something shameful. It's not something to be like disgusted by. Like obviously not everybody loves the sight of blood, but like yes. getting comfortable with it. Like even the other day I pulled my menstrual cup out and I accidentally like dropped it. There was fucking blood everywhere. Oh, and instead I made the conscious moment. I was like, hang on, don't be like, oh, you know, like this is disgusting. Like try and I guess just yeah not be don't not be so shameful about it and not make it like it's this disgusting thing and you know being more okay with it which I imagine are just like just those moments of recognizing when I guess those comments do come up and acknowledging that you know it's not your fault that you're thinking like this like it's 100% society and then restructuring that thought to try and I guess feel feel less shame around that and like I 100% agree with all the thoughts like periods are painful this is an inconvenience it's gonna stop me from doing this like I that is something I have definitely struggled with my whole life putting those ideas constantly just thinking that that's how it is and obviously if you're thinking that you're gonna be looking out for that more you're gonna be tuning into more like of pain and different things because you're just expecting like that's what's going to happen um and I know that's probably a big contributor to my experience even the mood swings I remember on my like first bleed that I ever had this idea like okay well I've I've got to feel moody I remember being like to my mom oh well now I just feel like I want to kill everyone like you know really tapping into that like Mm. I'm feeling all of these you know mood swings and this is something that happens every period yeah it yeah that's that's a whole other conversation I feel (laughs) a can of worms it's like the whole yeah the whole story around 
us being hormonal and overly emotional. Some of us are like people with PMDD and PME. We actually are like, I am evil during that time sometimes. <laughs> like I, but that's because of like a condition, a premenstrual disorder that I have. That's not normal. It's not normal to, to necessarily feel moody and emotional. Like, yes, we definitely can. And I guess to an extent it is normal. Um, but what's not normal is kind of this whole story that we're too emotional, we're too dramatic because we're not being too anything. It's just a time, our luteal phase right before our bleed is the time where all this stuff comes up to be healed, to be expressed, to be verbalized. And so it's just a time of of profound healing. It's not that we're too anything. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also the idea that those who have periods are so like unpredictable with their moods and like you know their their hormones are going to like you know make them crazy and that you can't predict them and then like there's literally so much research that those who have wombs are the most predictable because we know we know how the cycle works we know what most likely they're going to be feeling it's those with penises where they can have a testosterone spike so randomly and sporadically throughout the day that's actually unpredictable so true it's like the whole narrative that like women are unfit to rule like countries because we're too emotional and too like this and that that's so bullshit that's fucking bullshit i hate it i hate it so much and like it comes up all the time with like even just people in certain workplaces not being taken as seriously the the names they'll get called like I know healthcare workers that will be called a stupid bitch and it's like I can almost guarantee if there was somebody who was presenting like as a man to them that they would not be called that like it's just it's mm-hmm. it's uh, literally a whole other conversation it is so <laughs> frustrating yeah <laughs> Now, I would love to talk about how our periods can allow us to tap into our inner slot because I feel like they're often not two things that are tied together unless you're like a period sex lover, which I am. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So like, yeah, how can we tap into our inner slot? It's Emily interrupting here with an important announcement from Bush. As we know, Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales are well and truly happening at the moment and Bush is having their biggest sale of the year with between 30 and 50% off their products. Plus, for a limited time only, That's Orgasmic listeners get an extra 10% off on top of the sale price with the code That's Orgasmic 40 for couples play items only. Whether you're treating yourself to a new vibe or getting your holiday gifting sorted early, now is the perfect time to do so. It's also the perfect opportunity to try out their newest couples toy range with the 40% off if you use our code. Head to www.vushstimulation.com and don't forget to use the code THATSORGASMIC40 to claim your extra 10% off sale at checkout. The discount code can also be found in the show notes, but for now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, and it's so important to acknowledge you said before that, yes, not everyone likes the side of blood. I just want to acknowledge that 
Some people do genuinely feel faint and sick at the sight of blood and that's okay. I'm not saying that like everyone needs to do this stuff. If that's you, you don't need to be like mm-hmm. forcing yourself to stare at your period blood. Don't do that if you're going to like <laughs> pass out and vomit everywhere. Okay. <laughs> so I wanted to make that clear. Um, love that you have period sex too. Fuck yes. Yeah, no, I love sex. it. It was something that always, I think maybe because my first time like, having sex the first few years was with the one partner so I got comfortable mm. with it and yeah. it was like and I also get really fucking horny when I have my period mm. like so me horny. too yeah so it's something that I guess I had a good starting foundation with that relationship so now like I I literally had a threesome with my period I was like I don't give a fuck fuck <laughs> like, yeah Okay, so this with this question, I guess the first thing that I want to acknowledge is or, or discuss, I guess, is what is a slut, right? Mm-hmm. Because so many of us have grown up with this narrative that sluts are bad, sluts are filthy, sluts have, I don't know, STIs or, or you know, all these things. Like they're unclean, um, they're super promiscuous and some sluts are promiscuous, but it had like negative connotations with that word. So I guess being a slut to me and I guess what the true meaning in many people's eyes (laughs) of a slut is that it's really having a deep connection to yourself and really knowing yourself and what you want and not necessarily just with sex, not necessarily just with sex and pleasure, with anything in your life. It's being assertive. It's knowing what you want. It's being able to express that really honestly and it's being able to be vulnerable um it's knowing your body better than anyone else does and being able to communicate that to your partner or to your lovers you know what you want and I guess it's also seeing you know your pussy and your menstrual blood and your womb as sacred as a sacred space and really making sure that you trust anyone who um, obviously this isn't always under our control, but, um, you know, making sure that people you are sharing your pussy and and your, um, your vulva with are people that you really trust deeply and that you know will respect you. And also, again, that's not always predictable, is it, um, unfortunately, but as much as we can. And I guess really prioritising... Uh, your self-pleasure and not just masturbating but your sensual pleasure so like you know dancing around your room and like touching your breasts and like feeling your body and like your face and like a lot of self-touch and a lot of um yeah like uh, dancing around my room is something that I love to do to tap into my inner slice so yeah, it's so fun. And you get really so saucy and like you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, mm, you're so hot and you're like turning yourself on. And like with your menstrual blood, um, you can, you know, take your cup out or your tampon out or whatever and just kind of put something down on the floor or whatever if you don't want it to get everywhere. Um, and you can just let yourself free bleed. So free bleeding is essentially where you just don't have, like you're not using any sanitary items so you're just like letting your blood flow out and you can just like you know kind of get your blood with your fingers out of your pussy and like rub it all over yourself and like you can put it on as a face mask as well it's really good for your skin um and yeah I I guess 
honestly, like that is probably the biggest thing that I do on my period to to tap into my inner slut. Um, and I think it's important that we we really reclaim that word slut and that we don't take it as an insult because it's not. You know, mm-hmm. if if some misogynistic asshole calls you a slut, you're like, thanks, honey. <laughs> I know. I'm the biggest slut. Like, I'm a yeah, huge I slut. Yeah, I fucking love it. <laughs> I'm a huge slut. Um, because, yeah, as we, like, I was raised, obviously, and conditioned as a girl and a woman, and we we all really um, were fed that narrative that sleeping around people is bad, and it's not bad if you're using protection, you're being safe about it, you're not hurting anyone, you know, you're being respectful and considerate of other people, then sleep with as many people as you fucking want. doesn't matter, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yes. And I guess another way that I've um, really tapped into my inner slut is like I started an OnlyFans. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone has to do that. But what that did for me was um, it allowed me to like video myself. And so I started about nearly three years ago or two years ago, two years ago now, I think. And I was taking a lot of sexy photos of myself, of myself and videos of myself that I hadn't really done before. And I think this is a really great way to tap into your inner slut because you're getting familiar with your body and how it looks and how it feels and you get really comfortable with yourself and you start seeing the beauty in yourself. And then when you start bringing your blood into it as well, you start seeing the beauty of yourself with your blood as well and the blood on you and you see how beautiful blood is. Like it's just stunning. I'm obsessed with it. But it's just such a sacred, beautiful um. I guess, liquid that comes out of us. And like, we really need to utilize that. And there's so many ways, you know, having juicy period sex with your partner and, and rubbing it all over their body and mixing it with like some massage oil or, or something and like sucking it off their cock. Like I do that with my partner, like after we've had period sex, cause you can obviously like, you can like drink your own period blood. It's mm. not gonna, <laughs> it's just blood. Like, just like you'd suck a, a cut on your finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right? true. So yeah true. like everyone does that so why is that weird you know um I guess some people might think it's weird but yeah and like <laughs> yeah so I don't know I think that's a really great way to to use your period yeah to tap into your inner slut I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to add um oh I think also another thing like not everyone likes intercourse or like pounding you know mm. during um your period I personally love it but sometimes people are a little bit tender in 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 their in their yoni in their pussy like during their period because of like pain or or whatever and it's important to you know not force yourself I think to have intercourse and during that time and to kind of track what type of sex you like or what type of your uh, what time of your cycle because you might find when you're ovulating, you like that deeper, harder kind of pounding and like intercourse and penetration. But when you're bleeding, you might like more sensual and like nipple play and like kind of clit rubbing and like oral sex. So I think that's a really, another really great way to tap into your inner slut is getting familiar with your, I guess, um, your sex patterns or like the cravings, your sex cravings throughout your cycle. And you can do that by just getting a journal or like a period app and just like typing in the notes and just writing, you know, what type of sex you like during what time of your cycle. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Um, and I'm sure people probably haven't even thought about that either, like the type of sex <laughs> they like during their cycles. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just, I love honestly just like seeing how 
connected you are to your period. Like it's so good to see these representations of people who are so connected to their periods because it's just, it's not out there enough. And like, I'm not going to lie the first time, because I've been following you for a while, the first time I saw a blood face mask was kind of like, oh, like I, I've never <laughs> seen that before. Like yeah. this is, this is a, this is a new idea to me. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. The more you get exposed to it though, the more you can see like the beauty in it, the more you get comfortable with it. And like you said, like taking photos and videos of yourself, like it's such a great idea because like we're one so uncomfortable with our bodies then to like our periods that are something that's you know society is deemed as shameful to then tap into that and take photos or be in front of a mirror like looking at like your vulva in front of a mirror on your period I can your imagine bloody fucking vulva like with the blood all over and in the hair and like clotty and like it's confronting as fuck yeah and like I guess just that exposure just keep keep showing up and getting more comfortable with it because I think it's just yeah it might be a shock factor at the start but then just getting used to it and then doing it in a way that's sexy like as you said like that like I need to do more of that although I've already got the period sexy on Pat (laughs) yeah Um, actually just getting enjoying it myself and it not being like just during partnered sex like I will masturbate um during my period but like actually being more sensual and like like you said like with dance and stuff like actually turning myself on in different ways Mm, yeah that's so beautiful so massive question (laughs) um within society I guess what are some things that you would like to see change so that we can improve the experience of those who menstruate yeah I think this is always going to be the answer um, and you'll be familiar with this from sexology like with just sex ed in schools is like education mm-hmm. from a young age in schools and you know I'm talking like primary school like we need to be because some some people get their period when they're like literally like seven years old or like yeah you know I know somebody that was eight years old yeah that's insane and so and that's probably a lot rarer, right? But those people still need that education and then their friends need that education to support them so they feel comfortable talking to their friends and their parents and all these things. And, you know, I'm sure you have a similar story, but when I first got my period, my mum gave me these tiny little, like, they're like little surfboards. Like, they were not comfortable at all. My mum would always call, like, her pads surfboards, like, because they felt like a surfboard. Cause, like, back I've never the, heard that. Back in the fucking, <laughs> I don't know, the 70s when she was, like, a teenager, they were, like, surfboards or some shit. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Yeah, so funny. So I'd call them my little surfboards, and they were so uncomfortable. And she didn't even give me proper pads. And, she like, they were, like, liners actually and they were they're like a thicker liner but that's what all she gave me and so I used those I don't know how I must have had so many leaks like because I was a tennis player so I was very sporty so I, I don't even want to know anyway so I think um yeah my period story was very much like I, d- I didn't feel comfortable. I felt really embarrassed when I got my period. I got it one evening and then I went to bed and I didn't tell my mum. and I woke up 
the next morning and I walked downstairs and I had my little head down. I was like, mom, I have my period, you know? And like, I felt really like embarrassed and all this shame. And then she was like, it's okay not to go to school, honey, you know? And then that was it. There was no, she never sat me down and like talked me through it. And so I think parents need to be more on top of this shit, (laughs) but also schools, schools, because parent, we can't always trust the parents to do that. And I mean, a lot of parents are kind of, you know, the youngest parents, I guess, our generation, like I'm a millennial, I don't know how old you are, but, you know, like even we didn't get that education. So even the kids that are, that are growing up now aren't probably aren't going to get enough education. And I'm not sure what it's like in schools at the moment with, with menstrual cycle education, because I don't actually really know anyone in, you know, Mm. school, (laughs) but, um, I think that's really important and educating about the different phases of the menstrual cycle and what the hormones are doing and how that affects your energy levels. Your, I mean, maybe not to primary school kids going to libido, but you know, as they get older, go into that. And then about natural contraception. And I think we need to be teaching about natural contraception in primary school, at least just very basic. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to use, because kids that young are having sex. I have a friend who had sex with like I think it was like a threesome in like you six or something like mm-hmm. young kids play around with each other they need to be educated about this stuff <laughs> yeah and parents get weird about it and mm-hmm. adults get weird about it you know older adults they think it's oh we don't want to be encouraging them to have sex but they're doing it already yeah so- and there's so much research out there that shows that the more comprehensive the education the later people have sex the safer sex they have like everything just that the parents are afraid of happening doesn't happen and like the opposite like yeah it's like that comprehensive sex education not the mm-hmm. whole abstinence thing you know so I think PE classes need to be and they might even need to get like a menstrual cycle educator like in to yeah, get do the that. experts outsource yeah. it you know, like you don't have to force your PE teachers, especially if they're, I don't know, someone who doesn't bleed, like a cis man, for example, might feel extremely uncomfortable sitting in front of a class and and delivering that. So get in an expert, just like you would get in a sex educator or something, which I, I hope they're doing now in schools. But um, I think also this is, this is probably a bit out there and people are going to be like, what the fuck? But I think there needs to be big fucking billboards like you know how you have the big billboards in in Times Square and and places and signs and things around town with pictures of blood but like people bleeding so like you know how you have like tampon ads and things but I feel like the ones that I've seen mostly like in mainstream ones anyway you don't actually see blood it's just like here's a tampon (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. it's like um the whole thing like what what you or what's that saying um what you can what you can do I can do bleeding or like that all that kind of stuff yeah, that yeah, I actually yeah. think is quite toxic because we should be resting while we're bleeding not trying to do everything that everyone else is doing mm-hmm. while we're bleeding but that's another story but I think we need big billboards visuals of people getting exposed to literally just someone sitting with like, like a period undie ad or something and you can actually see the blood though it's not just like here's some period undies. It's like here's the period undies with the blood running down the leg. Or do you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah, hundred and- percent. Yeah, it made me think of. I think it might have been a, a Libra. Libra. Have you say it? Ad. Yeah. 
they had blurred out the blood, but the point they were trying to get at was like, it, this shouldn't have to be censored. Like every mm. like so many people bleed, we should be able to show this. I, and I, I think that's the most that like progressive ad I've seen. Everything else is just like keeping it hidden. Sport like when they bring out like sports liners and sports tampons, so like you can still be active and not even yeah. It's like, like where's the blood though? Yeah, like it doesn't exist. They'll literally put billboards on the side of the road with like a car accident that's so yes. triggering so triggering that is so triggering for people with like ptsd around that stuff yes literally driving on a road and you shit <laughs> and you see that <laughs> like so why can't we have big billboards with blood like menstrual blood that is so fucking true mm. i've had i had never even thought about like how triggering i guess because i haven't experienced that touch wood that so therefore <laughs> like therefore yeah. i don't see them and have that thought but how can we have that but we're not allowed to see menstrual blood like that is something that is shameful i think yeah. we'll get there i definitely can see one day there's gonna be a there's gonna be a billboard like it has to happen i um, really hope so yeah. and i hope to be behind that <laughs> yes wouldn't that be amazing oh it'd be so empowering um um and then I think also telling young people the importance of understanding their bodies like and just really like jamming that message down their throat so to speak of like you need to understand what your hormones are doing and your bodies so that you can live your life to its optimum basically mm-hmm. and the most pleasurable because and I, and I also think educating about conditions such as like PMDD and PME, which has only really started in the last few years from TikTok is how I learned about PMDD like two years ago and I'm 27. And so some young people are experiencing these menstrual, premenstrual disorders and they're going, they're living until their 20s, not knowing what the fuck it is, suffering, even potentially committing suicide. A lot of people with PMDD do take their lives because it's debilitating, it's disabling. And I think education about premenstrual disorders is really important. Endometriosis, obviously, we need mm. a lot more education about that. I think you've experienced that. Yeah, you? Did yeah, I see yeah. that? So- yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I had a laparoscopy done. Um, they did like, they were like, yep, because I had pelvic inflammatory disease. Um, and I thought endo was going to be there because my mum has it so severely. Um, and I'm pretty sure her sister does as well. So I was like, chances are like that that's something I'm going to experience. And I still like, even this past few days, I've just been having like all this random stabbing pain. And I'm like, I need to actually like get one more in tune and work out what's a, what's, like endo like what I'm actually experiencing because like when you've got endo and like IBS and then or is it something new like actually knowing what's happening with my body mm. like and I feel like doctors aren't the best unless they I guess specialize in this area or have a lot of you know exposure to it because so many of the people that yeah like go to the doctors they just be like oh yeah like take the pill or something or I just like that's normal it's normal to experience pain or you know they don't recognize it these like if somebody's coming to you for help they they need help like they're not just doing it because you know in their eyes it might be like more sensitive or just you know yeah exactly and I've I've heard there's like such a lack of research on endo and in that kind of what in the women's health kind of 
area in general. Mm. So that needs to pick up as well. I listened to a podcast last night actually talking about this and they were saying that women weren't included in research studies or something until 1993. Yeah, it's fucked. I was like, what? It's fucked. Yeah, I'm so surprised. Yeah, literally. I, I am and then like not as far and like how they didn't discover like the clitoris like the full clitoris mm-hmm. until like the 2000s like that's just... so embarrassing how embarrassing for science honestly yeah how fucking embarrassing that they didn't even like d- discover that and like what like it's just it's fucked the whole the whole research side when it comes to sexual health and then looking at like women and those revolvers and wombs and things it's just it's fucked (laughs) yeah it is and even just like i mean this is probably a bit in the future but i don't know how many studies they even are on like including trans people in these studies as well with like period stuff with like womb conditions and and premenstrual disorders and things like it's always just women and men it's like but what about other genders as well the like because if they're just doing a study on women with these conditions then that's not really accurate is it because there's so many more people in the world who don't identify as women who also have these conditions <laughs> yeah I know I'm like I they're probably I can't if there's any articles but it'd be very minimal of like trans men with endometriosis and mm. what their experience is like and how mm. I guess taking hormones or not taking hormones impacts that like there's just yeah there are so many layers and there is so much research to be done. Like, I, it's just, they're so far behind. Like, they're just so far behind. It's so and embarrassing. It sucks for us. <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing. And then we're the ones that have to take the repercussions and go, like, for when one, I think it's like one in 10 or one in 11 people have endometriosis. Like, why, why is there not something that's, you know, apart from hormonal contraception, to treat this and why does it have to be surgical like as if they haven't actually found something for this yet like yeah what about like holistic approaches what about actually looking at lifestyle and understanding the menstrual cycle itself rather than jumping straight to yeah surgical procedure or like I don't know a lot about endo I'll be honest but and also medications like where is the research into other things yeah I know especially like the holistic things like I can almost guarantee if I went to a doctor I want to talk about like my my phases and things I'd have no fucking idea they're like Mm. what are you like they just and that's that's again so embarrassing how mortifying as a doctor to not understand the basic phases of the fucking menstrual cycle and what the hormones are doing yeah honestly well I only learned about it in the past 12 months I didn't even know there was like like the term like luteal phase for instance like I didn't even know that was a thing like Mm. because I just there is no education on it and if Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I'm almost positive doctors don't yeah because you're like literally studying sex yeah yeah yeah, literally and like I love framing it as embarrassing because that's so fucking embarrassing like yeah it is yep yeah is there anything else you wanted to comment on when it comes to um society and improving everything when it comes to menstruating yeah I think even just what we were just talking about like the doctors and the medical practitioners who have gone through uni and school a long time ago 
and who potentially haven't been updating their knowledge in in the uh, realm of women's health, particularly doctors who maybe don't specialize in that area. So a lot of GPs don't specialize in sexual and reproductive health. Those doctors, I think, I think every GP should have to do some kind of a course, even just an online course or like an update, kind of like a refresher, maybe like every five years or something. That's not even that much. Even once a year, they could probably mm. just do a quick 10 minute online. Okay. Just refresher. This is the updated research. This is, um, you know, with endo, PMDD, PME, these are the signs of these conditions to look for in your patients. This is just another refresher of the menstrual cycle and what the hormones do, yada, yada. Yeah, absolutely. have to be a big deal. Um, And, yeah, I think that's really, really important to to understand. Um, And psychiatrists as well, I think, need to be really educated in this. I'm not sure, like mine actually was, but I'm not sure how many psychiatrists actually have a deep understanding of PMDD and PME because they're the ones that actually ultimately would diagnose it. Um, unless I guess you go to like a gynecologist or something maybe, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. And both epically expensive as well. Yeah, I know. It's not not easily accessible at all. No, no. And that's another issue is that we need more accessibility to, to get help because if I didn't have my family, I wouldn't have been able to go and see that psychiatrist and get that diagnosis and get medication to help me or even just understanding the condition. And just like having, because I know there's like two sides to having a label, but for some people just I've been like, okay, this is what it is. I can explain this to people. It's really because the people around us often like don't understand what's going on. They think you might be dramatic or something being like, hang on, this is actually what I'm experiencing. And it's, it's easier for them to consume as well then. Yeah, it is. And PMDD and PME aren't spoken about really at all. Like I only learned about PMDD, like I said, like two years ago and PME only found out what it was this year. I thought I had PMDD. So um, it's really important that we're so educated on those things because if you don't know you have PMDD, you will be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, because, you know, you'll think it's anxiety or you'll think it's depression, but then if you're not tracking your cycle, then you won't realize that it's actually happening in just this specific period of your cycle, which is life-changing because then you can put things in place to prepare yourself for that. You can get a disability support worker if you have access to that. You can make sure you have meals cooked, ready to go. You can make sure that all your support system is ready and there to help you, you know? Mm, Yeah, and that would just make such a difference, such a difference. Like it just knowledge is power and that is one of those examples of when you can really utilize the knowledge of like understanding your body more and what's happening to then empower you during that time to make sure you're you know set up in the best possible way yeah yeah no that's totally i'd also like to add um i can potentially somehow send you this if you want to put it in the show notes Mm. but um i actually did an instagram live with um my friend Sarah who has PMDD and we chatted chat about both PMDD and PME it's quite long I think it goes for an hour and a half um but it's really informative so if any of your listeners think they might have them or know someone then I think that's a really great resource yeah absolutely I'll add that to the show notes yeah that's awesome I'll even listen to it myself because I do not know anywhere near enough um about either of those yep is there anything else 
on the whole topic of periods <laughs> that I might have skipped over or anything that you want to mention. Okay. Yeah, this is something that I do want to mention actually um, that we haven't discussed yet is when you start doing this work, like period work or womb healing work, what I found is that you may start to lose friends or people will leave your life, <laughs> mm-hmm. whether you cut them off or it's mutual or they just ghost you or whatever. That's happened to me a lot over the last couple of years. And I honestly think it's because I am so open about my menstrual blood, like on my social media. And I used to live with um, a couple of really close friends and I'm actually not friends with them anymore. And, and they actually got really um, grossed out by me keeping my menstrual blood in the fridge. So I would actually keep it just to water on my plants because you can use it to like as fertilizer for my plants and just for like face masks throughout the week and just to use for like because uh, I use it for art as well, like painting mm-hmm. and things like that. So I didn't want to waste it because it's so precious to me and I don't just want to pour it down the toilet. So I would keep it and you can actually keep it in the fridge for I'd say up to a week before it will go a bit rancid. Um, and I'd keep it in just like a little jar down the bottom. You couldn't even tell it was there and they knew it was there and they would get really grossed out by it and really shamed me for it. And one of my housemates would actually make really nasty comments and yeah, kind of bully me about it actually, um, in a really kind of passive aggressive covert kind of way. So I think be really aware of how people in your life react when you start doing this work. Um, because you'll really be able to start seeing some red flags and pull those people out of your life because you don't want people in your life who are judgmental and who are shaming you for something that you're trying to remove shame from. Mm -hmm. Um, do you know what I mean? And it's so ironic because I think it's honestly, sometimes a lot, it's a lot of womb holders. Like these two friends I lived with also bled and also had periods. And instead of seeing, and instead of learning from me and being curious about it and intrigued, they were repulsed by it. And I think that's important to acknowledge that you really want people who are curious, who are like, oh, what are you doing? That seems like a bit interesting. Like, why are you playing with your menstrual blood? Or why are you putting pictures of yourself with your blood, you know, on your social media? Why are you talking about this all the time? Um, You need people that are curious. And I think that's a really important piece to all this work. Um, And partners as well. If you, if your partner's making comments to you, like one of my ex-partners used to tell me that my blood would smell which is common. You know how sometimes you get that that smell when you're bleeding, like around your mm. vulva, because it's actually your pheromones mixing with your menstrual blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's normal. And it's not necessarily a bad smell. It might be a bit potent sometimes, but that's not something to shame someone for. And my partner yeah. would would have period sex with me would consent to period sex and blood all over him and then would be like oh it stinks like after oh, we'd have sex like go away like go and have a shower basically yeah oh my to one engage with that but then shame you afterwards right that's just because he wanted to get his dick wet yeah, yeah. that's I disgusting that. that is not it no and i think with you saying like about like the housemates and things it just shows how much shame they still have obviously attached to their periods if it's something that they're willing to have a friendship end over um which is just sad but also shows just the lack of education society like just where we're at and Mm. yeah it's just 
yeah, it sucks. And people definitely need to be more curious. Like, I could have easily, the first time I saw you playing with blood and putting on your face and things on your Instagram, being like, oh my god, this is too much, unfollow. But it said, like, you sit with it, be curious. Mm. And then, like, you can, like, I've learned so much through following you and even through this conversation. Like, there's just so much to learn and be empowered by. Because this is, like, empowering to take something that is shameful and own it. Or not, not something that is shameful, that society makes shameful and, like, own it and have it empower you is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, are you able to tell us a bit about the programs you offer, like Blood Magic? Yeah, totally. Um, I launched my first online course, Blood Magic, um, about maybe a month ago, a few weeks ago. Um, so I have that at the moment and super happy to offer your listeners 30% off as well. Um, I can, yeah, give you like a discount code to give them or or something like that. Um, we can chat about that after. So yeah, I have blood magic. So I've kind of talked about it in dribs and drabs throughout the podcast. So there's four main modules and then an introduction module and a bonus fits module. And it's really all about pretty much everything we've discussed in this podcast. That's it. That's blood magic in a nutshell, but it's going in really deep and we do it in a way where we start gently from the start. So we, we delve into the cultural and the kind of conditioning. And then module two is more um, starting to really look at the shame and our shadow self and our shadows. And then module three is more of kind of like the flowy feminine, like, um, like playing with your blood and connecting with it and holding it and and painting with it and and dancing with it and doing blood ritual and manifestation. So blood is a really powerful manifestation tool. Um, so if you're bleeding like on a new moon, for example, super, super potent energy. Um, so that's something that we, we go into. Um, we do a lot of kind of crystal healing, tapping, dancing, a lot of spiritual practices, but they're grounded in science, Me- like their manif- manifestation practices that are grounded in science. And then module four is actually called blood slut. So essentially what we spoke about with tapping into the inner slut, that is that entire module. Uh, so we do that last. So that's kind of like mm-hmm. the last phase of like womb healing, if you like. So it goes in a really kind of um, strategic order, if you like. So, yeah, Yeah, that's blood magic. Um, And like I said earlier, I've also just launched a period self-care guide. So it's nine pages. Um, You also get a little period tracker at the end as well to like stick on your wall. Um, And it's literally like 15 bucks, super cheap. And it's great to just refer back to every time you're bleeding. And it's just really easy to read like dot points. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I actually have, (laughs) I actually have a a free resource as well. Um, it's called connecting with your sacred womb blood. And it's just a practice that you can do in the bath or in the shower, um, with your blood. And that's really beautiful as well. And that's completely free. Um, and then I also offer one-on-one, um, sexual healing sessions. So essentially sex coaching with more of a, like, uh, spiritual healing component, And then I also offer nutrition coaching for neurodivergent people as well. Amazing. (laughs) So much there. So much for people. I'll definitely, I'll have your website and everything in the show notes so people can go and have a squiz themselves. Um, 
but yeah i love that there's a program all for connecting to our periods because i think that's so important and not just connecting to our periods but you know embracing this you know our slutty selves and things like there's just oh i can't imagine there'd probably be any real like many other programs out there that are like this um yeah not that i know of really yeah Yeah. (laughs) i've never seen anything like it so that's so exciting like and i love that like you found like your passion and you're able to turn it into something that's going to help other people like it's just it's so beautiful to see. <laughs> yes, thank you. Super exciting stuff. Um, I also have a podcast as well, actually, that I've just launched about a month ago. Um, it's on a completely different topic, but yeah, maybe I can give you the link to that as well. Yeah, it's of all course. on um kind of mental illness and sexuality and like ADHD, autism, kind of the other side of my business that I love to talk about. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Also, so important. Now, I'd love to know what is something that is orgasmic to you. Oh. Yes, I loved this question. Um, Something that is orgasmic to me is literally just getting in the shower or being somewhere in nature, like on the beach or by a waterfall or in the bush somewhere and taking out my menstrual cup with like a full cup of blood and just pouring the hot blood all over my naked body and just like feeling that and like rubbing it all over my body and just being present with it is so orgasmic to me yeah Yeah. amazing I love that so much now where can my listeners find you on like Instagram things like that uh yeah so my Instagram is at I'm a wild gem so that's the name of my business so I am a wild gem and then um, I have a separate Instagram for my podcast so it's at the NDNB's podcast um, and then, yeah, my website and that's pretty much the main places probably. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I'll put them all in the show notes so people can easily get access to them. Thank you so much for coming on today. That was, yeah, that was such a good chat and it's something that I really relate to and something that I know I myself have to keep working on. Um, and I imagine a lot of people listening who menstruate are probably the same. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge about this. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. As always, Shaggers, please reach out with any comments, questions, or stories either through my Instagram at That's Orgasmic or my email emilyduncan at thatsorgasmic.com. Please subscribe whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast and leave a review as I would love to know what you're thinking. So thank you, Shaggers, and I'll see you next time. (gasps)